When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. It is a football Friday on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. That makes it what, Rod B? It's a uh, freak flag, feel good, fake it, see you make it. Ric Flair, woo! Football Friday edition of Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Love it, man. Football Friday. It's a beautiful thing. Got some great, actually, it was supposed to be a great game last night. It wasn't a great game, actually. After the injuries to Joe Burrow on the field, Baltimore Ravens dominated. But this weekend, should have some good games coming up. Hope, Longhorns are hoping that the Texas-Iowa State game is not a good game. That's just a old biblical-style, Old Testament-style butt whipping. That would be uh, that. That would actually be a surprise to me. I think Iowa State's gonna gonna bring it to Texas, and I think Texas they struggled adjusting without Jonathan Brooks. I still think they get the win though, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Surviving advance, baby. It ain't gotta look pretty. It ain't gotta look pretty. Matter of fact, it's been looking ugly lately, but that's all right. Yeah. Take the dub. No question about that. And uh, Don Miller will keep you posted on traffic, but obviously the uh, funeral procession for Officer Jorge Pastor is underway and, um, you know, going to cause some traffic uh, issues as they make the procession down Mopac uh, and east out towards Circuit of the Americas where the uh, Celebration of Life uh, ceremony will be held. But uh, So be advised of that as you're up and out. That's going to be causing pretty major traffic delays but at the same time it's for for the right reasons and uh, law enforcement from all over the state of texas all over the country will show up here to, to pay their respects to a fallen officer in the line of duty that happened last saturday night and really cool uh you know heartbreaking but uh great v- pictures of people getting out of their great. cars and praying and uh, you know saluting that the officer if they've uh, served and those type of things so uh you know somber day this morning as we get this thing rolling. Uh, we will talk more Texas football, but it is a football Friday, so Rod will get the woo. And I, yeah, the Rod, there is a brewing uh, I cannot believe. development. Yeah, apparently, so Jim. So beefing with Ric Flair. Rick, well, Ric Flair is firmly in the Jim Harbaugh camp. Like, apparently hung oh, out with Jim Harbaugh. Oh, okay. And now feels like Paul Feinbaum and others are persecuting the Michigan football Rick team. Ric Flair's loyal. He's a loyal guy. He's yes. He's loyal, man. So Rick. Mess with his guy. Ric Flair is in. Um, mm-hmm. So that's out there. Um, I can't uh, believe that Paul. Fe- so Paul. So Ric Flair's got a problem with Feinbaum, or does Feinbaum reciprocate the animosity? It's just Ric Flair beefing with Feinbaum because he, he's taking up for Harbaugh. Yeah, he tw- okay. co- you know, I, I can get you the quote. He tweeted, okay. you know, copied it in some tweets. What do you All know right. about? Called him the unathletic journalist from the SEC. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know how that goes. It's turned into. Uh, uh, hey man, I'm, I'm glad Ric Flair still got got. He still got spirit, man. Uh, Ric Flair. Everybody knows that Ric Flair probably should have been dead like three or four times. He is even admits that that Ric Flair still going strong, still 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 beefing with people and talking trash. 
making making promos. Yo, I think he's still wrestling. I want to say Ric Flair like wrestled like a year ago or two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, which is not good for Ric Flair because Ric Flair's got to be seventy something, maybe like sixty, maybe sixty going on seventy. Ric Flair's pretty damn old. Let me go check out Ric Flair's age real quick. Uh, all right, so uh, well, he's in his seventies now, isn't he? He's got to be. Got to be close to it. He's got to be. Let's see. Yeah, Ric Flair's seventy-four. Seventy-four years old. Damn. Still going strong. Still partying. Should run for president. Still the, the nature boy. He <laughs> should run for. Well, he, well he's, of the, he's of the age demographic that we're looking for apparently right now. Mm. <laughs> right. I think we're trying to get away from the old. We are. I I think yes. Yes, I hope so. I, hope we're I would too. I doesn't feel like yes. we are though. Let's try to yes, get more vibrant in that position. Hey, let's get to the uh, the headlines. We're also going to talk. Uh, Rod's going to take us behind the burn orange curtain. Steve Sarkeesian passionately talking about wireless headset communication to be able to get rid of this sign stealing and why it's important, not just based around the Michigan conversation. Uh, so we've got some big stories. Let's get to the news. Get you caught up on the uh, top stories of your Friday morning. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. My buddy Brandon Mars, our buddy Brandon Mars, and his team bringing you the headlines. It starts with college football. Seventh-ranked Texas set to make their first road trip outside the great state since uh, early September as they head to Ames, Iowa tomorrow night for a critical matchup with, with Iowa State in the Big 12. Uh, Quinn Ewers backing in command of the Texas offense, but the solid ground game will still be paramount to get a win in Ames. Cyclones have the third-best rushing defense in the Big 12 conference, operate on that infamous 3-3-5 stack defense with lead running back Jonathan Brooks and his nearly 1,500 yards from scrimmage through 10 games no longer available with that injury. Uh, rushing load shifts to the freshman standout C.J. Baxter, along with sophomores Jaden Blue, Savion Red, and senior Keelan Robinson. You know, these guys work really hard, too. They've been training since January, too. And so now making sure that they're putting themselves in the best position to be successful. Um, you know, we're fortunate in that CJ really started the, the year four. So I think his level of comfort and him being healthy is, is big for us. Keelan's been exposed to a lot of football. Um, I think Jaden Blue's been chomping at the bit for his opportunities. And, and Savion's been in some critical moments for us. So, you know, our offense is going to remain our offense. Um, and uh, like I said, I think we're fortunate that we have some guys that have some experience. At game case at 7 o'clock tomorrow night from Ames. Weather forecast pretty optimal for mid-November in Iowa. Clear skies, temperatures in the mid-40s, just a crisp night. Should be good. Also from college football, major twist in the Big Ten's investigation into Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh and the alleged sign-stealing scandal with war official word yesterday from the conference that Harbaugh and the Big Ten have resolved their pending litigation. Harbaugh will accept his three-game ban throughout the rest of the regular season while the conference has agreed to close its investigation into Michigan. So no temporary restraining order hearing today will be necessary. Harbaugh will sit out Michigan's final two regular season games against Maryland and Ohio State after missing last week's win over Penn State. By the way, the NCAA's investigation into the program will continue. Uh, news from College Station, according to Kirk Bowles, right here with the Austin American Statesman, Texas A&M Athletic Director Ross Bjork interviewed UTSA head coach Jeff Trailer this week for the Aggies head coaching vacancy. According to the report, Bjork, who is the who's heading that search to replace Jimbo Fisher, interviewed Trailer for 90 minutes on a Zoom call. Duke head coach Mike Elko, former defensive coordinator at A&M, is also considered a strong candidate there. In the NFL, huge win for the AFC North leading Baltimore 
Ravens last night. They completed a head-to-head sweep of Cincinnati and dropped their division rivals back to 500 at 5-5 five and five with a 34-20 win. Lamar Jackson threw for 264 and a pair of second-half touchdown passes. Also ran for 54 more. Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow suffered a sprained right wrist in the first half, was unable to return to that game. He will be reevaluated today. Cross your fingers in Cincy. Ravens approved 8-3, but not all good news there either. Pro Bowl tight end Mark Andrews suffered a very serious ankle injury in the first quarter of that game. According to Coach John Harbaugh, it appears to be season-ending, unfortunately. Full slate of uh, Week 11 NFL action on tap, including the Cowboys. They're at Carolina Sunday at noon. Texans at home to Arizona, same time, Sunday at noon. Second round of the Texas High School playoffs will kick off tonight. Uh, teams all over the area headed uh, different directions. Lake Travis and Westlake will be headed to uh, headed south. They're going to both play San Antonio area teams. Cavaliers will play San Antonio Johnson at Bobcat Stadium in San Marcos tonight at 7. Shaps will face San Antonio Reagan at Matador Stadium in Seguin, 7.30. Division 6A, Division 2. McNeil will, be, uh, uh, will take on Cibolo Steel from Rattler Stadium in San Marcos. Dripping Springs will play tomorrow afternoon at 2, facing Converse Judson at Rutler, Rutland Stadium in Converse. Also tonight, Cedar Park meets Angleton and Waller. LBJ heads at Waco ISD Stadium to face Huntsville. Rouse meets Port Neches Groves in Katy. And the Crockett Cougars will play Montgomery Lake Creek in Giddings tonight. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capital Area Food Bank. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Yeah, Ross Bjork with the Jeff Trailer interview. Got to tell you, it's a good move. And the report is that um, it went longer than expected. It was supposed to be, you know, 30 minutes and it went over. About 90. 90 minutes. It'll be like 30 minutes a lot you of gotta time. Got to win the interview, and I feel like Jeff Trailer would do a good job winning that interview, selling oh, himself. There's no question he would. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, like I said, he fits. It's a, it's a great fit. Well, especially if you consider the Ross Bjork uh, on Sunday when, you know, having a press conference to announce, this, to announce the dismissal and the buyout of uh, Jimbo Fisher, said the program was stuck and uh, was looking for its R.C. Slocum. Slocum, yeah. As in, I, I remember R.C. R.C. is the reason I stayed in the state of Texas. He told me as a young 17-year-old, if you want your mom and dad to go to all the games, you need to go to school in the state. And he did not specify A&M. I think he assumed A&M. Uh, but he did not specify. He was just talking to me as a young man, and it did, it did click. Like, oh, man, I want mom and dad to go to all the games. So I immediately, I think within that week, I cut out all the other schools that were in contention, which were Colorado, Florida State, and Pitt State. They were out of the state. And I just went with Texas and Texas A&M because they were in the state. Yeah. No, I think there's a uh... – Love me some RC. And, and look, I mean, that, we say that a lot. I, I'm not an Aggie fan, but I've covered the program now for 20-plus years. It's, it's a different place. It just is. I mean, I, we, you know, some people, you know, Longhorn fans will poke fun, call it a cult and all these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just know what it is, right? Yep. It's a very conservative school. Yep. Uh, it's East Texas. There's, it's got its own culture to it, and they're proud of that. And they should be, right? It's, it's a, a lot of great traditions there. Um, it, it's a great scene for college football, but, it, you know, you've got to be a good fit for the program. And as you say all the time, right, accurately, you know, the person you married was probably not the, uh, you know, one, the, the one that knocked your socks off when you first saw her, yeah. guaranteed, but they're the one that, that, that fit what you, what you need done, at, you know, as in a partner, right? Compatibility. Compatibility. And I just think Jeff Trailer fits a lot of that uh, because he, he speaks the language, knows East Texas, can recruit like crazy, and he'll sell the interview. Oh. Anybody that's been around him believes he's kind of like, like Mac Brown. No and doubt. remember when he came – I'll remember this. I'll give you another Jeff Trailer anecdote. When he came here – Remember, he worked for Charlie Strong, and he coached special teams. Yeah. He won Recruiter of the Year in the year, one year, short time he was here. Yep. He, um, 
he, I mean, he wowed us, the media. Like, we would see him. He's like a special teams coach. Who is this guy from Gilmer? Some of the people who covered high school football knew him already. But we're like, wow, this guy's dynamic, he right? And, you know, Charlie Strong wasn't the best in a press conference. Um, and some of those coaches that he had weren't. He, this guy was – you could tell he's kind Sharp. of a rock star. Yeah, he like, was. Wow, that's – and then, of course, you know, the, that led to – you know, the, the, the jobs he get, you know, climbing the college ladder and then the UTSA job, and it was, feels like it's just been a matter of time before he lands the next. And I do believe this. I mean, I'll say bullish on this. He won't be coaching at UTSA next year. No, we know that. Somewhere. UTSA knows that too. If he's not at A&M, yeah. he's going to get the this, Baylor job if it comes yeah. open, Houston with this Dave Holgerson. This carousel is going to scoop him up real quick. And he's, yeah. the, he's a hot candidate for all the reasons we just mentioned. He's just a, and you've been around the, 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 the sport, Rod. It's not just about your football X's and O's. That's, oh, no. That's a that's kind that's of a small part, part of it. Yeah, that's part of it, but not anybody because he's not actually calling plays. He usually he hires himself a coordinator. He wants to be the, the kind of CEO and oversee the program, every aspect of it. And he's he's great. That even in terms of the community outreach and how the uh, you know the 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 program itself is invested in the community, that's been part of his uh, allure too. Is that man what he's done to bond and connect the city of San Antonio with that UTSA football program has been unbelievable. I don't know if UTSA and that the community have been this, I would say, uh, disaligned in a long time. Like, maybe ever. I don't know if they've ever been. I, I, I don't know a lot, about a, lot, a lot about UTSA football. I'll admit that. Somebody hit me up with that. But I, I, when I go down there now, and I had a niece that went down there to UTSA as well, there's a different environment and there's a different vibe about UTSA, really sports, period, now. And I think it starts with the football program, what they've done. Well, this says that my Aggie friends are big mad over trailer. feel like they're deserving of a big-name coach. I know. Well, yeah. well that's, they're called fans. I mean, yeah. look, there's no guarantee it would work with Jeff Trailer. I just think he, he, he fits. He fits well. He, he brings a ball. lot to the table. He, he knows, knows ball. ball. He knows ball, though. And we said this before. He's, he's got the – I mean, about in the political season coming up, he's got the endorsement, strong endorsement of the Texas High School Coaches Association. Mm-hmm. You don't think they're going to help that guy wherever they can? Yep. Because they see Jeff Trailer's one of their own, right? Which he is, right? One I mean, of us. One of well, us. <laughs> well, when was the last time a high school coach in Texas grew, up, grew in and took over one of the flagship jobs in the state? There are two flagship universities in the state of Texas. When was the last time one of their own no, took over one of those no. programs yeah. at the highest level? That it's ever happened. Well, no, somebody will tell us on the text line. Craig Wave might be out there. And yeah. tell. But not, not Texas and Texas. And we've seen it with, like, you know, Baylor and other places. We have Texas, yeah, Texas, no, Texas Tech with Texas Joey McGuire Tech, right yeah. now. Yeah. But one of their own, meaning cut their teeth, grew through That's coaching crazy. Friday night football, yeah, that's wild. winning state championships, climbing the college ladder, and then taking over. That's why they're pushing it. I mean, it would be a, a huge feather for the Texas high school coaches. But also, but you don't think if you're an Aggie fan that would help you mm-hmm. to have that group aligned with you as well? Uh, you know, you said it you said all the time. When, when Mac Brown got here, he realized real quickly, thanks to Coach Royal, how, how important the Texas High School Coaches Association were now. Figured it out. Uh, you know, when they won the national championship, first of a group he thanked, the Texas High School Coaches, mm-hmm. because he was recruiting mostly Texas high school players. Yeah. And, you know, Jimbo, thanks- Jimbo didn't go to the Texas High School uh, Football Coaches Association convention. He skipped it. And, and then uh, that was trust me, there was some blowback from that. Well, think about this: I do the uh, the two bi- biweekly podcast with Mike Craven of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, their yeah. senior writer. There's one coach in Texas. There are 13 Division One programs in Texas that Dave Campbell's covers and Mike covers. There's one that the last two years has refused to do the interview for the magazine. 
like just to sit down. Give me 30 minutes, coach. Give me an hour. Yeah. So I can write the story yeah. of your team to come. And it's just it's just promoting your program to us. Right. Well, <laughs> and every high school coach in the state reads that yeah. magazine cover to cover. Exactly. Every year. Mm-hmm. But there was one coach that wouldn't do the interview. Nothing against Mike, he said. He just didn't want to do it. Yeah, that's so. You'd be going from that to the exact opposite with yeah, Jeff Trailer. Yeah, he, he's a he's a great point about. It. I can't believe why would you do? What? Mike I couldn't figure it out either. I don't understand the motivation to skip it. You can even do it for like fifteen. You ain't even got to give him thirty. You can give him do it on Zoom. You can do, you you can do it on Zoom. That's so. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's I can't explain that. But you're right. That's but that's how you lose favor and that's how you lose support around the state. And that goes to the program being stale. Well, I, I can and tell it you, it didn't hurt recruiting really. <laughs> but it hurt support from, you know, I think the establishment and the administration because that trickles up. Yeah, well, and think about this. Actually, I do know the reason he wouldn't do it. There were 78 million reasons why he didn't have to do the interview because, mm-hmm. you know, he had guaranteed contract. He should have. Yeah. But once you give, him, give a man that much money and that much guaranteed. That's true. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you're right. They're, you're right. I don't really what are you have gonna any do? incentive. Everything's guaranteed. What are you going to do? Fire me? All right, didn't pay me. Oh, good. <laughs> Fire me, didn't pay me. I'm going fishing. Yeah, you would have hoped that he'd have more personal pride in it, in the job than that, because that was rep- just representing a And M. You should have went to those events. Yes, that's the thing. Just because you're representing pride A&M. in the maroon, pride in the program. Yeah, Jeff Trailer will have that, and I know. Look, I mean, we're all in trailer. Mike Elko would too. Mike Elko. Yes. I mean, when he left to go to Duke to take over that program and take it to where it's at now, that's when a lot of the cultural issues came out, right? He uh, he was really in charge of that locker room, ran the defense. Um, and think about Mac Brown when Will Muschamp was in the defense, right? And he really brought that culture. He brought that intensity. Dick Tomey, uh, while Mac Brown was there, was big on that. Yeah. You know, when, when Mac Brown didn't have that, a lot of times it, it, you know, he lost some of those things. Um, and Micah Elko, he's now gone and shown that he can coach at a big-time level, right, with the Duke Blue Devils and what he's done there. I agree. So that would be a, an interesting one. But, yeah, if you want a big name, you know, Urban Meyer's available. Yeah, but man, is the it's, I'm not I'm I'm all about getting a splash because that's what Jimbo was from, right? And I support that move. That, the extension was a different discussion altogether. But initially, getting Jimbo, I thought was a good move for the Aggies. But when you're looking for a coach, you want to get you want to make the splash higher, or you want to make the right higher. Sometimes you can do both, but rarely can you do both. And I think about it, they got to make sure they get the right hire. Jeff Trailer, I think, is close to the right hire for them, but. Yeah. Splash. They may. They may need. They may think they they need a splash. This says, guys. They uh, need more than just to recruit Texas. Does JT have ties to recruit Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, et cetera? If not, then not a fit for the Aggies. Well, that's what you hire your staff for, Rod. You got to hire a great staff, a well-rounded staff, yep. uh, because I mean, this is for any coach. I don't care who you hire. Mm-hmm. Your success or failure is going to be predicated on that first staff you hire, for the most part, right? You know, that staff you build at a program like this, it will be a huge indicator of how you're going to do. Because you're only going to be given three to four, maybe five years max. You, I mean, Charlie Strong came in. The first staff was good. Uh, and he kept rotating defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators. And Tom Herman's first staff, right, when he got here to Texas, not good enough. He brought all his buddies from Houston, and they weren't – it just wasn't good enough. Big picture, well, this is where you'll give Steve Sarkeesian some credit. He hired what, what he thought was a great coaching staff. And so far, I think the, the results would prove that, yeah, he hired some, you know, Kyle Flood and Jeff Banks and – PK and what they've done. That's, a, that's huge, Rod, when you get a big job like this. You've got to hire the right people around you. Yeah, and, you know, you don't have to have, like I said, you don't have to have experience yourself recruiting, you know, certain fertile recruiting grounds around the country as long as you hire staff that do, yep. right? uh, that have those connections. And, and that's, you become the closer. Yeah, and then that's what Sark did. That's, you know, that's Maxwell Magnus, but, I mean, that makes sense. You, 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 you can't have recruiting connections everywhere. You've only been to so many places, but then you're going to hire staff. Like, oh, you know what, I'll take care of California. I got Sark's like, I got connections in Cali. We good. 
All right, I got tons of Cali connections. We're good. Uh, we go take care of the West Coast. We got PK here. We're good on that. Let's get Bo Davis. Bo Davis is an SEC guy. We need somebody with SEC connections. All right. In the after, Terry Joseph in Louisiana. Terry Joseph in Louisiana, right? Oh, I need Texas connections. All right, Blake Gideon. All right, I need Texas guys. Uh, you know, so and he brought in the Texas high school. Uh, man, I forget the name of him right uh, now. He's going to Texas now. Yes. Uh, uh, gosh. Yeah. Yes. I forget right now. But he brought in multiple uh, different assets from the high school ranks as well. And hell, Jamal Fenner now is on, on the staff, correct? Um, Jamal Fenner, yeah, from yeah, he's uh, on the staff LBJ. Now. And I want to say he's the one that replaced. Chris Gilbert. Chris Gilbert. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. He replaced Chris Gilbert. And, you know, so it, it, it's the, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head, though. It's all about how you build the staff. If you, if you bring in trailer, he'll bring in staff have connections in Florida and in you know, the Midwest and in Louisiana and on the West Coast. And that's and, that's and what a good Aggie, CEO does, right? Yeah, and the Aggie brand is big enough, and, and they are uh, lucrative enough. Right? Well, well, look, <laughs> well, I, mean, to use NIL I know too. you and Longhorn fans, you're a lifetime Longhorn. You, it kind of scares you to see it. So push back on Jeff Trailer by all means. I mean, because, look, if Dan Lanning's your hire. He's going to have to build high school ties in this state, right? Which, you know, I'm not saying he can't do. but oh, you can do when you when you bring in Jeff Trailer, you're with the, with the Texas high school coaches, where you're still going to get and, and recruit probably, you know, eighty percent of your roster, seventy five percent of your roster, you're on third base already with the Texas high school coaches association. Yeah. Dan Lanning would have to build those those you know relationships. Uh, he's already got some, I'm sure, but at the same time, you come with that, and then you hire a right staff, which would be key. But I, I think it would be a good hire. I think it'd be scary for the rest of the SEC and the Big Twelve or in Texas personally, but. That's our opinions. That's what it's about. Our opinion, your thoughts, and we'll take uh, where the Aggies go. Uh, but, again, when I'm using Ross Bjork's own quote where he said, I, we're looking for our, our next R.C. Slocum. Now, does that mean he's got to have a East Texas drawl and speak the language? Well, I think it does. I think there's a big part of that, that you want someone who fits your program and your culture. and Because uh, Jimbo Fisher talked like he did, but clearly he didn't. Right. I mean, if, if you won't do interviews with Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, if you won't show up for the coaches' school and the coaches' yeah. convention – you're really not bought into the culture because you're not selling A&M. Yeah. You're making that about you. I agree. You're yeah. making that about you, not what's good for the school mm-hmm. and what's good for the program. It just looks icky. Come on, man. No, I'm with you. I, just, uh, I, I, I can't believe that he didn't do the, the interview with the magazine, but I remember when he decided to pass on the Texas High School Football Coach Association, and there were some coaches that did straight up offended by that. Well, and think about but, it. When he, when he got the job at A&M, he was on the cover of the magazine. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you, you you want us to promote you, but when you know you need to come down to an event like Texas High School Football Coach Association and you know share some of your time, share some of your knowledge, you're unwilling to do that. Yeah, it just it look not good optics. And uh, right now the Aggies are dealing with you know a stagnation in terms of their program. So I, I knew the move would happen, um, but now it's clear they didn't have a choice. They didn't not in terms, they didn't have their top choice already picked out. They, they're doing the research. They're actually doing the due diligence, and I applaud that. They shouldn't have just one singular candidate they're looking at. They need to do research, and they need to interview different, uh, different candidates to find out exactly what they want. Because I don't think they know what they want exactly. They don't. And why would you? I mean, you know, you, right now as a program, you're not sure exactly if you need to go with a guy like Trailer with the connections, or if you need to go with somebody who's been a proven commodity, like an Urban Meyer who's already done it, all right? 
or you need to go get the fast kind of high, uh, the fast rising star of the coaching game, which is kind of your Dan Landings of the world. You've got to figure out what exactly you want as a program and what's the best fit for your program. Uh, well said. All right, we'll come back. We'll go behind the burnt orange curtain. Uh, Texas getting ready for this Iowa State game. It's kind of one of those scary, got to get it, got to get the win, however ugly it needs to be. You've got to find a way. Sark uh, was speaking yesterday on a Zoom call. We'll get that coming up. Also, we'll get some uh, off-the-record conversation before the end of this hour. We're loaded. Uh, that procession now, by the way, for the fallen officer is moving through down Mopac and uh, really, you know, uh, heartbreaking to see, but uh, the lights and the cars and the first responders, you know, in a parade from all over uh, Texas, all over the, the country, I would imagine, uh, making their way now. So be advised of that as you're getting up and out. It is now moving down Mopac, or actually up Mopac towards 183, down over to 35 and down. All right, we'll come back. Don will have more on that. We got off the record coming. Burn Orange Curtain next. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. All right, off the record before the top of the hour. More on all the top stories. But right now, Rod, can we go to the Vaqueros hotline? Yes, sir. He is, uh, for, played four years as a bruising running back for Iowa State. Played for Paul Rhodes back from 2010 to 2013. Scored 14 touchdowns in his career. Now he's a football analyst doing great TV and radio podcasts. Uh, number 32 uh, when he played for Iowa State. We go to him to talk some Iowa State, Texas. Uh, he is on the uh, Vaqueros hotline. Jeff, good morning, my friend. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate you doing it. Yeah, my pleasure. It's uh, good to be on. Talking a little Longhorn Cyclones for maybe the last time in a while. Yeah, good bet. It's the last time. Now, you played for Paul Rhodes at Iowa State, and we do appreciate you doing this. Uh, but, but give me your thoughts on Matt Campbell and where he's at with this program, what you've seen as, a, as an alum and someone who played for that program. What, are, what have you liked about Matt Campbell, and what does you think Matt Campbell still struggles with with that program? Yeah, what's amazing is, you know, as, as a, a program that – here's a fun fact for all the, the, the Longhorn fans – Iowa State had, prior to Paul Rhodes getting there, had had three bowl wins of any kind ever prior to Rhodes getting there. And since then, the tides really changed. Now, Rhodes, for his first few years, got everything kind of – we went to three and five years. We, we got some wins. We you know, have had some impressive things happen. But then it sort of trailed off. And then when Campbell got here, Iowa State's been to six bowl games now that they're bowl eligible after beating BYU last week. They've been to six bowl games in seven years which is about as many as they've been to in the entire history before. So Iowa State has not been a good football program up until Coach Campbell got there. And the thing that I really like is when you're trying to build a program from where Iowa State's program was, which is you're hoping that, you know, when you look at a team like, let's say this, this Texas team came to Ames uh, in 2006, you're, you have to, you're looking at that film going, we have to play perfect to beat them. Well, the confidence of success over time makes it so that doesn't feel like you have to play perfect to win because, you know, as anyone who plays sports knows, if you think that you have to play perfect, you won't be, which makes you play worse. So being able to play relaxed and confident that you have enough talent, that you have enough success, you have enough coaching and preparation that you can just go out there and play and win. I think that's what coach Campbell has done well and has brought to aims. I think the thing that is a little, I would say as an alum and as a, as a, you know, someone who likes watching Iowa state win, uh, Early season, they, they a lot of times will take a bit to get going where you know, the, the Iowa game comes to mind. It's always the second week of the season. He's lost every game against Iowa except one. And so one and six against Iowa isn't fun, but by the time you get to October, November, they're at their best 
because they consistently get better over the season. So I'd like to see more September success, but, you know, six six bowl games in seven years and being in competition for a conference title in the end of the season, you can't really complain too much. Hey, uh, Jeff, it's uh, pretty rare and out of character for an Iowa State uh, player to talk a little trash, provide some bulletin board material before uh, the Texas game, but it happened in uh, this instance with uh, Jared uh, Hufford, I believe is his name. What are your thoughts about the trash talk? Uh, is this just the quiet part uh, being said out loud by the Iowa State players, more the messaging that's usually in the, uh, the, the meeting room and now being thrown out there to the media? Well, I mean, look, if, you're, if you were playing Texas and you were in Iowa State, what would you say? Like, you can't, as an underdog, you can't go into it thinking like, man, these guys are so good, we can't ever beat them. So you have to have, no matter who you're playing, you have to feel that confidence that you're going to beat them. And like I said, Coach Campbell's kind of brought success to go with that confidence, so it's there. So, you know, in any game against any dog versus a favorite, especially one that's as historically strong as a Texas or an Alabama or those types of programs are, you do kind of feel that. Usually you don't say that to the media because you don't want the other guys to hear that, but I don't think that that's necessarily a rare thing. You know, independent of Texas, Oklahoma, whatever the other programs are, like the feeling of these guys are, I think the line that sticks out the most to me in that kind of uh, bulletin board material is these guys are humans too. And I think that's that's how you you sort of have to look at it as a guy who is a dog. And, you know, Hufford's a, he's a senior, so he's been through these before. Um, you know, feels confident. I, you know, I wouldn't want to give these defensive tackles more juice to the game because they might be the best in the country. But that's still something that, yeah, I, I would say that's the feeling that you kind of have to have. So, yeah, you just usually don't say that to the media. <laughs> yeah, say it out loud, and I'm sure it's all over the uh, Texas locker room as well, which is good. And Iowa State nearly won here last year. I think they felt like they should have gotten out of Austin with a victory. Uh, 27-24 was the final. Uh, you couldn't agree more about Matt Campbell and early struggles, but you know he kind of you cut his teeth at Mount Union, and he had a playoff there. I came out of the high school ranks, and you know, you're always trying to be your best in November and December and beyond uh, at those levels. So uh, maybe that's the the the, the obvious reason or, or the reason. But at the same time, they do get better, and this team has gotten better. And so any Longhorn fan there that kind of dismissed them after they got clobbered by Oklahoma in early October. Better be paying attention to the improvement they've made here into November. Where have you seen their best improvement, Jeff, uh, here as they approach the final two games of the regular season? Well, I mean, it's, it is, it's very much on the offensive side of the ball. The defense has always been pretty stout. Now, the game against Oklahoma was a little bit of a miss, like an outlier. Um, they had – so the, 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 state, the secondary that Iowa State has, uh, you probably toss a coin between Texas and Oklahoma – or excuse me, between Texas and Iowa State as far as the – best secondary in the conference because between TJ Tampa and uh, Malik Verdun and, and I mean, there's, there's probably three to four NFL guys in both secondaries. So against Oklahoma, they were down two of them. So, you you know, you're out a couple guys that are going to be your, your studs. So with the defense being health, fully healthy, when they've been fully healthy, they've been good all year, but offensively the first three games of the year, they were trying to run. Iowa state was trying to run what they ran last year because they have, legitimately five tight ends that can play but the offensive line isn't this like mauler offensive line they're more technical so they're really good in pass protection because they can communicate pretty well but they're not great in just hey get out of the way we're running the ball so when they tried to run this like power offense with young tight ends that they there's not enough space you have young players everywhere 
after the Ohio game, they looked in the mirror and said, okay, what is, what does this offensive unit actually do well? And they started spreading everything out more. They started throwing more on early downs. They started uh, giving RPOs to a fresh redshirt freshman quarterback that they normally don't do. Like they reserve those for like a Brock Purdy type player. So the, offensive and the, the openness of the offense that's kind of like at its peak now granted you're playing kansas and byu and they lost the kansas game because of a couple of weird plays but in the second half of the kansas game into the first half of the byu game which is the last basically the the last four quarters that the starters have played because the second it was 31 to 7 at, at halftime against byu so they didn't really do anything in the second half so the last four quarters that iowa state's offense has played they've scored on 11 of 13 drives so wow. this offense has got to the point where they're clicking really well because the young guys have matured enough throughout the season. So like, here's another crazy statistic because the whole gambling thing this past off season, they lose a quarterback, a tight end, a running back. They lose all this depth. They've had one upperclassman receive a carry this year. That's not a senior. That's one person, junior or senior, one upperclassman receive a carry this year. And that was a kicker on a fake field goal. So no, every offensive player who has received a carry this year has been an underclassman. And if you look at the receiving core, they will graduate exactly zero wide receivers. They will graduate one tight end. So this group is so young, but they've gotten through the course of the season substantially better at just understanding what they can and can't do and seeing reads and understanding where the field is. So the, that's the thing, the offensive side of the ball, that they've gotten so much better throughout the year. Uh, tell me about this young running back, Abu Sama III. So th- he's actually from my high school. So uh, Southeast Polk wow. is the same. Uh, the left tackle. So Southeast Polk, it's, they're, they're going uh, – a little Southeast Polk shout-out here. Uh, it's a suburb. <laughs> it's a kind of a rural suburb of Des Moines. Uh, and the guys that they've graduated off of that team in the past couple years. So Caden Proctor is the starting left tackle at Alabama as a true freshman. He was on the same team as this kid, Abu Sama, who was a running back for him. And then the year before that, the starting safety at Iowa, his name is Xavier Wongfa, he was at Southeast Folk. So the last three, two of the last, excuse me, the past two high school teams, they've graduated two five-stars, and then this kid. So to know about Sama, he is a, he, the Drake relays are the biggest track and field meet in central, like in the Midwest. So team, Illinois, Minnesota, whatever. Uh, and high schoolers, if you qualify, are allowed to compete in there. He has the high school division state, or excuse me, Drake Relays record for a long jump. He is a 26-foot long jumper. So that explosiveness that he has just oozes out of him. So the thing that he doesn't quite understand yet is where to press his, where to press his, his track or when to make the cuts necessarily. But if he gets in the open field, again, he's a 26-foot long jumper, I think they did like a, you know, the, someone puts like a speed tracker thing on him and you can say oh, yeah. how fast he's running. He was jogging at 21 miles an hour. So like this kid is an explosive athlete. And as he gets to mature and understand like how to play running back and not just run around, he's got some re- some serious Brees Hall vibes. Now I'm not saying he's going to be Brees Hall, but he's got some serious Brees Hall vibes. 
Yeah, nice. that'll be a problem. As Rod has said, the last few games, averaging like on film, 10 man. yards a carry Ooh, last couple of games just, and yeah. uh, 11 of 13 uh, scoring drives. Uh, they've gotten hot at the right time, and the defense has been good and now healthy, and that's what the Longhorns will, will challenge or face coming up on uh, on Saturday night in Ames. It'll be a blackout. It's going to be a you know, rabid crowd. Hey, Jeff, Jeff Woody is with us, former running back at Iowa State, now doing great uh, media and podcast. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, by the way. He's a great, easy follow. Jay Woody 32 is where you're going to find him. Hey, Jeff, when you look at Texas – uh, what obviously they're top seven team in the country. They're nine and one. Uh, what is most concerning for you in, in the matchup for the Cyclones against this Texas team? It's it's a defensive line, man. Like that's the thing that gives me as a as an Iowa State as, as an analyst more than an Iowa State fan as an analyst the the damage that those the interior specifically of that defensive line. That's the thing that it's kind of no one else that Iowa State has played this year has that much talent. Like you look at the offensive, the other position groups that you'd say the wide receivers. When Iowa State secondary has been healthy, they've been really good. And, and uh, so it's going to be sort of a, you know, you punch me, I punch back. You know, Xavier Worried is going to catch an 18-yard pass, then TJ Tamp is going to break one up. And then, the, you know, that, that's going to be a fairly fair fight that I feel confident in the, the, the talent of the secondary to at least hold their own. It's the defensive line of Texas, like watching that Kansas State game, I think Kansas State ran for like one yard per carry because they just couldn't, there's so much push that comes from an interior offense or defensive line. So you have to execute so well everywhere else because you're not going to be able to move those guys around. I think that's the thing that, like, in years past, Texas has had skill players. Last year they have the best running back in the country. Like, But you didn't have a defense that was able to match that. This defense for Texas, especially the front four, is, you know, that's the special part of this team to me. Yeah, it's hard to match up with. <laughs> and that's why Rod asked about the play. The guard talking about uh, we've seen better, uh, kind of t- psyching himself <laughs> yeah. out for it. But uh, it should be fun. Yeah, we were we were getting geeked over that K-State game, and they held that group to, to almost nothing on the ground had they abandoned it. Uh, if that's the case, Jeff, and if they have to abandon the run game a little bit here, um, you know, can Rocco Beck, can, what, what, what can he do with his arm? Because I know last year they were 9 of you know, 15 on third down in this game against Texas. We're able to convert a lot with Xavier Hutchinson. Um, you know, can, can, they, can they win this game through the air? Does it, have to be, does it have to be a ground game with it for Iowa State? Well, you can't – they can't just, like, step back and throw it 55 times. But they, they do have the ability – they're really talented across the board. I think the guy you want to look out for is Jalen Knoll, who actually had a big game last year too. He's a guy who – he is our Jordan Whittington, where a guy who – you look at the, you know, you, the other guys are going to have the big 70-yard plays, but you look down at the stats, you're like, oh, geez, you got nine catches for 85 yards? Where'd that come from? Like, that's the kind of play that Jalen Knoll does. And so he's a guy that is going to be, they're going to, they try and motion him and match him up against safeties, against linebackers. And then the other guy that's really starting to come on strong is uh, Benjamin Bramer. He's a true freshman tight end. He's 6'7", he's like 245. He's once he gets a little bit more meat on his bones, he's going to be an NFL prospect type guy. Um, they're probably not going to just straight up throw it down the field, but if you can, they're going to, their goal is to probably sustain drives to the point where you can get, instead of having a one high safety, you push the other one back because he has to, and then you can potentially start running the ball. So I would imagine they're going to be more of a pass to open up the run situation, and by that I mean getting – an outside linebacker matched up on Jalen Knoll or getting a safety matched up on a six, seven tight end, like finding those matchups where you can get six yards on first down on a hitch or on an interior route or body somebody up. So they can do that. The only problem with those is when that doesn't work. Now the clock has stopped and it's second and 10. 
So that's the thing that they're going to have to fight against is making sure that you are efficient when you do that, which they can be, but they can also, that, that backs you into a corner pretty quickly. So I, yes, they can, but you got to be, the details get a lot tighter in the, in that game plan. All right. Uh, hey, Jeff, we appreciate it, man. That's good stuff. The uh, insights behind the, uh, the cyclone curtain uh, we like to get uh, from a former player who watches that team very closely and knows ball. Hey, Jeff, thanks so much, man. Appreciate doing it. We'll, uh, we'll check in again soon or uh, we get a chance, okay? Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thanks, guys. Jeff Woody, follow him on Twitter at jwoody32, former Iowa State running back, now doing analysis for TV and radio and podcasts, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, learned a lot there, Rod. Learned some stuff. Yeah, man. I, we talked about how his offense is trending, and I love the stat he gave that if you take away the second half of that blowout win they just had and the, uh, the basically the, the first half of their previous game, and you take those quarters where the starters have been playing, they're trending in the right way. They scored, what, 11 of the 12 drives, he Touchdowns said? on 11 of 13 drives. That yeah. was against Kansas and against uh, BYU last yeah. year, last week in Provo. That was 31-7 yeah. to 7 at the half. So, they're trending. All right, we'll come back. When we do, we'll go off the record. Certainly more. Well, Rod's got another rant in the 9 o'clock hour. More on that conversation of this Iowa State football team who's, um, you know, two losses in the Big 12. Texas won. So, critical matchup coming up Saturday night. Off the record coming next. D.D. Mega Doodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a break the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. It is off the record. Uh, be a short one because of a good conversation with Jeff Woody talking Iowa State football. They play Texas tomorrow night. Uh, but off the record, Rod, this is for real. This uh, procession for the fallen officer, Jorge, uh, George, Jorge Pastore, is massive. There's like 750 vehicles in this. So the delays are pretty extreme Yeah. Uh, for good reason. I mean, they, they've been showing on the local news here this, this procession of cars going through downtown, and it's been going on. Since like hour, hour, right? I mean, hours, it, right? We're talking about a couple hours now. Like, seems well, like hour, it, left, hour? it well, left the Mopac and the the the, the funeral home like, at about eight o'clock. So yeah. they've been and, following it all morning. But when you're talking about seven hundred, eight hundred car, I mean, this is police officers and first responders and fire. I mean, I saw the Manchac fire truck there in this procession to pay their respects and honor the fallen. So this is a very, very long procession. So, you know, if your car, try to go somewhere and wait it out. Um, you know, certainly if, if you're stopped, you know, get out and salute or say prayer or whatever. But uh, that, that it is, it's gridlock all through Austin because they're coming right down 35 Rod through downtown going right past APD headquarters. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. th- and at APD headquarters, you have all of the APD officers out on the sidewalk uh, saluting. The, the procession as it goes by, but it's, it's very, very long. Uh, so be advised, they're headed to Coda. So if you're in that direction out near the airport or headed out to Circuit of the Americas, that's where this procession is coming. But, man, it stretches a long, long way uh, through the streets of Austin, Texas right now uh, for the fallen officer. Uh, Rod, uh, it's obviously a very somber n- note. Uh, what do you have on off the record, my friend? I wanted to get that out there to the folks who are uh, maybe heading yeah, out right now. Um, Snoop Dogg has decided to give up smoke. He says uh, on social media, he said, after much consideration and conversation with my family, I've decided to give up smoke. Please respect my privacy at this time. Uh, that was on his social media account. I don't believe it. I think well, this hope he is... doesn't have something medical going on that he needs to stop. Well, no, smoke, smoke could mean a, I think, a lot I think of he's things. Gi- 
Yeah, I think I think it's honestly I'm not lying about this. I think it's a Super Bowl commercial that I think he's getting ready for some type of promotion. This is like a marketing campaign that I think. But maybe he is giving up smoke. Ty, you said smoke can mean different things. Yeah. Him? For Snoop Dogg, what does it mean other than marijuana? For Snoop. I mean, I know for a fact he used to carry that smoke on him. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, could mean a pistol, right? Well, yeah. Heat, I, heat smoke. Is that I the, doubt he's talking about I know, giving I know. up. I'm just saying. The, the I doubt he's. No, I, I, I bet he's still smoking weed right now as we speak. Uh, I agree with that too. I think he's still smoking weed too. I don't know. I think something's up with this. This is not. He's trying to fool. He's pulling the okie doke here, and I don't know what what's up with it. But maybe it's listen. Willie Nelson gave up smoking marijuana. I think he was still doing edibles, but that was a health issue. I don't know if Snoop's talking about a health issue here. We'll see. I don't know. Put that out there on his social media. So Snoop Dogg not smoking. Man, the times there are changing if that is the case. All right. So, yes, uh, honor the fallen today. Good stuff on that. Also, I saw this, Rod, where Apple, the iPhone, they're finally, like if you're an Android user and you were treated like a second-class citizen because of the Apple, you know, the blue text and those kind of things, Apple is putting out a uh, a – an, an update later this year, next year, that won't fix those things. So if you're an Android, if someone texts you with an iPhone, you won't feel like a second-class citizen. Uh, Apple will change theirs then. Yeah, that's what they're Apple, Apple, Apple is changing. Apple wants exclusivity. Apple doesn't want you to be like them. Apple is changing its text to stop screwing over Android users, yeah. it says. Now, Apple doesn't. Apple wants exclusivity. They don't want to be like Android. They nope. like being different. Yeah, but now they're coming more to – they're going to they're gonna, – Bridge some of those gaps that have been going on. Uh, the, the blue text, the uh, blurry pictures. Oh, yeah. They're coming to help. Well, Android has better, a better camera than it the does. iPhone. It does. I've never yeah. had an Android. But, Android's uh, got better cameras than iPhones. I'll admit has, that, too. My I'm son has one. Right? He loves it. Yeah, it's a better camera. It is. All right, we'll be back. We have two hours to go on a football Friday. Let's hook him up with Ian Rodby.